So the first reading tonight comes from Proverbs 31, starting at verse 10. Epilogue, the wife of noble character. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds this distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear, her household, she has no fear for, for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also. And he praises her, Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Okay, uh, the next reading is from 1 Peter 3, verses 1 to 7, and may be found on page 1272. Wives, in the same way be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come out from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewellery and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Well, if submission is a dirty word today, then submission in marriage is a very dirty word. 
Plenty of people think that submission, the idea that a a wife should submit to her husband, is is simply old-fashioned. It's demeaning to her. And that for too long it has justified domestic abuse. That's what society says. That might be what you think as well. Others of us might think that actually it's good. That submission in marriage is part of God's good plan and I think many Christian wives uh, want to do it but feel confused, aren't really sure what it looks like or how to do it and so the mere mention of it makes them feel guilty. Well, tonight I want to convince you that marriage, submission in marriage is good. Whether you're not married, a husband or a wife, I want to convince you that this is something in God's Word for good reason and it's good for us and for all people. And I want to try and help us to see what it means for those of us who are not married, for those of us who are wives and for those of us who are husbands. Well, last week you saw that Submission is not just submitting what I want in a relationship so that the other person can get what they want. And ideally, the other person's trying to do that too, so we do this dance called mutual submission and both people get served. No, submission is submitting yourself to someone else's authority. The Prime Minister is in charge of the government I'm in his country, so I submit to his authority. And so submission, you can see, is for everyone. Everyone's in submission to someone, and submission is good for everyone. Imagine the world without it. But why should submission be in marriage? Surely it's just two equal people coming together, relating as equals. Why should wives submit to their husbands? Simply because in the team that is marriage, God has given the responsibility to lead to husbands. Some Christians think that this idea of submission in marriage is really something that Paul cooked up and he's to blame for the whole thing and so they don't like Paul. Well, can you notice This letter is not written by Paul. It's clearly written by Peter, the Apostle Peter. And it's not just the two of them. No, I think from the beginning of the Bible, from creation itself, there is marriage. Marriage is a team which needs a leader. Do you remember Adam given the responsibility to care for the garden, but he's alone. And it's not good for him to be alone, to be able to care for the garden. And so God makes a helper for him. He's responsible to lead the team and he has a helper. Not because he's better than her or stronger than her or or cleverer or more important. He's simply given that responsibility. And so it's good ever since then for husbands to lead and for wives to willingly submit. That's creation. But more than that for Christians even, God says there's actually a purpose to marriage which is bigger than us. Ephesians 5, marriage between a husband and a wife is a symbol 
of the marriage between Christ and the church. And just as Christ leads the church and the church submits to Christ, so a human marriage is to mirror that by the husband leading his wife and the wife willingly submitting to her husband. In creation and in salvation, submission in marriage is good. It's good for husbands to lovingly lead their wives and it's good for wives to willingly submit. So much so that you see there in verses 1 and 2 that even a non-Christian husband knows this. If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. It's so much part of this world and what God intended that even they can see it. Though you might think that they're just selfish and they like the idea of their wives submitting to them. No, Peter calls it purity and reverence. This is good. And there's no hint here at all that it's simply cultural or just for that time. Submission in marriage is good. So whether you're married or not tonight, I want to ask you whether you agree with this. You need to think this through for yourself. Do you think this is what the Bible is really saying? Not just this passage, but right across the Bible. Do you agree that it's good, that it's purity and beautiful? Do you rejoice in it? And do you want to support those who are married to do it? If you are married, if you're a wife or a husband, do you believe this? Do you think this is good? Are you keen to put it into practice and to know how to do it? If you're a married couple here tonight, have you talked about this? Do you agree on it or not? Are you keen to work it out together? And I guess it's obvious that husbands would initiate that discussion. That's part of leadership. Well, like last week, Peter is not as keen to convince us about the word, about the concept, and to see that it's not dirty but good. He wants us to do it. So let's have a look and try and figure out what it means. Verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Wives submitting to their husbands is something you can see. It's behavior. But what is the behavior? Is Peter about to dictate now which roles in the household the husband should do and the wife should do? Who should be in charge of the finances? Who decides where they go on holidays? And who has to do the vacuuming? Is that what he's about to do? Is he, does submission mean that you don't discuss things anymore, that the husband simply decides and the wife's job is to obey? Or is submission just that about once a year occasion, when you've talked about something for three hours, it doesn't really matter and someone's got to make the final vote. You know, you're trying to choose a new car and you've chosen the model of car, you've worked that out, but you've got to decide, am I going to get a red one or a blue one? 
and you simply can't agree. You've read all the books, you've asked all your friends, you've done the surveys, you've talked about it together, you're sick of discussing it, and it's the husband's job to make a decision for better or for worse. Is that all it means? Or is it something bigger? Let's see what Peter says, verse 3. Wives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewellery and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Do you see that Peter says nothing about the roles in the household? Nothing about household chores or who looks after the finances? No. Submission for a Christian wife is all about her heart, her inner self. And how does he describe that? He calls it beauty. Some of you here tonight who happen to be wearing gold jewellery, and I don't think anyone's braided their hair, but if you have, that's okay. Some of you here, well, as far as I can tell, all the women here are wearing fine clothing. You may be feeling awkward at this point. Am I not supposed to do that? Well, I think you can see that it's about how you're adorning yourself, how you are seeking to make yourself beautiful. Not the fact that you wear fine clothes. In fact, if you're not quite convinced about that, the word fine is not there in the original. And so literally it says, braided hair, the wearing of gold jewellery and clothes. So if you're worried that this is saying you can't braid your hair, well, it also would mean, therefore, that you can't wear clothes. Do you see? It's about how you're trying to make yourself beautiful. Where does your true beauty come from? And you can clearly see the comparison, can't you? Is it an outward beauty you're trying to have or an inward beauty? We need to see this comparison, don't we? We know it, but we need to be reminded about it. We are obsessed with outward beauty. The advertisers, the movies, the TV shows, and social media makes it worse, doesn't it? You choose the photos that will make you look the best. You pose the photos and then post them so that everyone can see them and see your physical beauty. And could it be, ladies, that you are too obsessed with this, that you focus too much time, and money, that you are too proud of how you look. Or on the other hand, you feel worthless because of how you look. Probably as you get older, you'll move from proud to worthless, if that's what you value. For in the end, gravity wins when it comes to outward beauty. Women, do you value this too much? Are you seeking outward beauty? But blokes, the problem's really with us, isn't it? Why is it that women value outward beauty so much and spend so much time and money upon it? Because somehow they've got the idea that men think it's important. Where do they get that idea from, do you think? Because we do, don't we? We are that stupid And when we look at a woman, the first time we meet them, we immediately think and evaluate that, don't we? That's the truth. 
when we consider who we might go out with or who would be a good marriage partner. That's way up there on the list. And Peter wants to say to us, don't be so dumb. Do you think that's going to produce a good marriage? Women and men value inward beauty. Well, what is this inward beauty? Verse 4. Instead, it should be that of the inner self, the hidden person of the heart, it says, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Here is the thing that is of great worth to God, that is precious to him. It is the unfading, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Oh no, you say, ladies, I know some women are gentle and quiet, but not me. You're vivacious and loud and just sort of out there at a party. That's not what it's talking about, is it? You can see that. It's the inner person of the heart. And it is a gentle and quiet spirit. You can be loud and vivacious and have a gentle and quiet spirit. For the word gentle means meek. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly. It is someone who does not demand their own rights, who does not say, I need to get my own way, who's willing to let someone else make decisions and take the lead. You see, that would be a heart that enabled you to show submission in every area of life and to your husband. How do you have that gentle and quiet spirit? How do you develop it when you know that sometimes your husband will be slow to make decisions, and like my wife has, a husband who makes dumb decisions quite often. Why would you have a gentle and quiet spirit that that goes still with that? Well, he explains it, doesn't he, verse 5, for this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. What produces a gentle and quiet spirit that doesn't demand its own way but seeks to follow the leadership of someone else? A firm trust in God. So that you are not afraid for your future and the future of your marriage, you are trusting in God. Trusting Him that He is in control and wants what's best for you. And so you can have a gentle and quiet spirit that wants to submit to your husband's leadership. Blokes, if you're not married, what are you looking for if you're hoping to be married? Is it outward beauty? Don't be so stupid. Inward beauty. The inward beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Women and wives, are you developing this inward beauty? There's no beauty cream that you can take to develop this trust in God that will enable you to have a gentle and quiet spirit. But there is a milk. Crave the spiritual milk that he spoke of in 1 Peter 2, God's word, so that you might grow up in your salvation and hope more and more in God and so not live in fear for your own welfare and not demand your own rights and encourage your husband to lead. 
Well, this is a hidden beauty, Peter says. That's the heart of submission, not roles, and far more than just a once a year decision of letting the husband make a decision. No, it is a whole way of relating to your husband that he can see. It's not roles. It's not just the occasional final decision. And can I say clearly that it is not submitting to abuse. Whether the abuse of your husband's fist or his wallet or his mouth or his use of pornography. Last week we saw that slaves were to submit to their masters, even to submit to abuse, do you remember? Even to masters who are harsh, submit to them, for that is honouring to Christ. Does he say that to wives? No. Wives are not slaves. And it is not honouring to your husband, it is not good for your husband to let him continue to abuse him as if you don't matter and his treatment of you does not matter. That is not submission. It is not honouring to him. And you need to make a stand about that. And if you need to, get out for your own safety and for his good. If you're in that situation, then please seek help. If you need someone to help you to seek help, Please get someone to help you. Submission to abuse is not submission. Well, how will it show in your behaviour? Do you see there in verses 1 and 2, it's a hidden beauty, but the husband can see it. It will show in how you relate to him. How will it show? Well, if you have the gentle and quiet spirit that believes submission in marriage is good, you'll want him to lead. You'll want him to take initiative and to set the direction. And so when you discuss things, you won't dominate the discussion. You will wait, suggest, seek his advice and express that you want him to lead. If you have a new idea for how your family life could operate or where you could head in a direction or where you might move to or spend a holidays, you wouldn't just go ahead and do it, would you? You would discuss it before taking a new direction. If there's some purchase, a significant purchase that's unusual and the sort of thing you haven't talked about before, well, then you would talk about it and discuss it together. And when your husband does take the initiative especially leading you towards Jesus and sharing God's word and praying, even when he does that in a pretty dumb and stumbling and you could do it a whole lot better if you were the husband way, don't point that out. Be really encouraging and thankful and positive about it. I'm really appreciative when my wife does not contradict me in front of other people, but contradicts me later on when I'm wrong, especially in front of the kids. Wives have a gentle and quiet spirit and it shows in how you relate to your husband. It is not a once a year thing, it is a 24-7, 365 days of the year. So I want to say to the wives here, 
Can you see ways that you are already doing this? I'm sure you can. Can you see ways that you already have this sort of heart and you already want your husband to lead? Thank God for that. Probably you can see ways that you need to develop this inner beauty, hope in God, and change your behavior and do this better. Pray for God's help. And why not ask your husband and say, I want to learn how to do this. I'm working on it. I need your help. I'd love you to tell me what you think I'm doing well and gently tell me what I could do better. And husbands, when she asks that, be gentle. Submission in marriage is good. So wives, submit to your own husbands. Thankfully, he doesn't leave it there, does he? Do you remember with the rulers, he said nothing to the rulers. When he talked about slaves, he said nothing to the masters. He just addressed those who were submitting. But when he comes to wives, he needs to say something to the husbands. Verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Men, whether you're married or not, I want you to see how important this is. If you get this wrong, if you mistreat your wife, God will stop listening to your prayers. This is not something will hinder your prayers. You'll end up having lots of arguments and you won't be able to concentrate when you're praying. This is God will not listen. It's something will, your prayers rather, will be hindered. Hindered by who? Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Do you want the face of the Lord to be against you when you are praying? Then mistreat your wife. He promises to do it. This is really important. So what are we to do? Husbands, In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. I used to think this was really pretty easy. Uh, I grew up with a group of boys in my family, and so I'd never learnt this. But when I got married, I learnt that you were supposed to put the toilet seat down after you used it. And so after a little while, I figured out that was being considerate to my wife, and it wasn't that hard. After a few years, I was right on top of that one. Be considerate. Maybe it just means doing your fair share of the housework. No. The word considerate sounds like it's got the word consider in it, doesn't it? It does. Literally, the word is live according to knowledge with your wives. Know the right things and live them out. This verse tells you that you're not just to copy what your dad did or what you see other blokes doing. You are to know things and you are to live them out. What are you to know? Well, you are to know about the Christian life that Peter has been telling us, that we're a chosen people with a living hope. And so as we live out our our lives with our wives, men, as we think about marriage generally, we're not to set our hope on marriage. It will not solve all your problems and make life 
perfect. Don't set all your hope on your wife. She will not solve all your problems or fulfill all your needs. Set your hope on your living hope and help her to do the same. Live according to what you know. What do you know about marriage? Well, you know that submission in marriage is good and it's your responsibility to lead. So lead. Take some initiative. Lead the discussion. Come up with ideas. That is leading, living according to knowledge. What do you know about your wife? Well, in this verse, the word there for wife is the word for female, a female person. Live according to knowledge with your female person. So men who are not married yet, learn about women. That will help later on. Men who are married, you need to learn about women for the rest of your life, don't you? Because we're thick and slow. Women generally think differently talk differently and are aroused differently to men. You are not normal and she is abnormal. You are both normal, just different. So live according to knowledge with your wife. It says here we're to treat her with respect as the weaker partner and we find that a little bit offensive, don't we? But the word means weaker vessel. It's referring to your wife as a woman who has a woman's body. Her body is different to you. And so she is not weaker mentally. She is not weaker emotionally. She is not weaker spiritually. She is generally weaker physically. And so if there are effects of hormones, we're to understand them. If pregnancy does have an effect on a woman's body, husbands are to be understanding of that. And if you are physically stronger than your wife, then you be very, very careful that she never feels threatened by you in an argument. If that is an issue for you, men, then seek help. For Christian men are never to threaten women, especially their wives. Treat her with respect. Literally, it says, treat her with honour. All women are to be treated with honour, for they are fellow heirs of our living hope. We are equal before God. And so all Christian men should honour all Christian women. But especially if you're married, the woman that has been entrusted to you, show her honour in the way you treat her, the way you talk to her, and in the way you talk about her to other men. Would she feel honoured if she heard the way you talk about her? Husbands, live according to knowledge and show her honour. Husbands, what are you doing well with this? I'm sure there are ways that you are living according to what you know and living it out and showing your wife honour. Be honest. Are there things you're doing well? Thank God for that. Are there things you need to understand better about your wife and about marriage and about the Christian life and that you need to live out? 
Can you see what they are? Why not ask your wife what they are? What am I doing well? What do I need to change? Do you feel honoured by me? And wives, be gentle, won't you? Submission in marriage seems to be a dirty word. I want to convince you tonight. I hope you're convinced it is not. If you still feel awkward about this, investigate it and look into it. We need to be clear on this so that we can live it out. If you're not yet married, this passage shows you how to work on yourself and how to choose a good marriage partner. What a great resource. If you are married, it teaches wives and it teaches husbands how we're to love and serve each other. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us good gifts and good instructions. We thank you for the gift of marriage. We thank you that you've given us the good instruction about submission. Father, we thank you that you've shown us that in creation and salvation. Help us to believe it and to see that it's good and be thankful for it. We do pray tonight for all of us that we would value inward beauty more than outward beauty. We pray for wives that you might develop in them a real hope in you that produces a gentle and quiet spirit that produces submission, a whole way of relating to their husbands. And Father, we pray for husbands that they might know the truth about the Christian life and about marriage and about their wives and would live that out, showing them honour. Father, help us to be real and to work hard on our struggles and to rejoice when we see the work of your Spirit in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name.